Hey film friends, it's Graham. I wanted to start this episode of Death by Video with a warning. Today we are diving into the very problematic genre of Italian cannibal films. While we're not covering the most notorious of them, which would be Cannibal Holocaust, we are covering the second most notorious, Cannibal Ferox, which is also known as Make Them Die Slowly. If you are at work, please do not Google Cannibal Ferox. It is most definitely not safe for work, and it is probably not safe for the home either. You see, the cannibal subgenre is perhaps the most reviled subgenre, only second to the Faces of Death series of videotapes and other real-life violence compilations that came out in the 1980s. I also wanted to say that we had some technical problems at the start of this recording, so we'll be picking it up from just after we finished watching the film. Again, these films are very brutal, very bleak, very xenophobic. Um, they are known for their instances of real-life animal cruelty, um, although I should point out that if you watch any film before 1985 and there was an animal in it, there was definite animal cruelty happening on set, we just don't see it. Uh, you might be asking yourself why we, and by we, I mean me, Graham, decided to try and tackle Cannibal Ferox or any of the cannibal films. And the truth is that the films themselves are not that interesting, but the fact that there was a legitimate commercial market for these films fascinates me to no end. They were all made between the mid-1970s and early 1980s, which was a time of considerable turmoil. The Americans had lost the Vietnam War, post-colonial Africa had descended into atrocity after atrocity, and the crack epidemic made nearly every major western city in the world an incredibly dangerous place. You cannot look at the afflictions that were going on in the 1970s and not draw a line to the production of such graphic films as Cannibal Ferox. Or the fact that nearly all of the cannibal films made lots and lots of money, there was a mainstream audience for it, pure and simple. Um, so that's why we're tackling it. One last bit of housekeeping before we begin. We, throughout the podcast, referred to a certain actor who plays the character of Mike by the name of Carlo Rimbaldi. That is actually incorrect. The actor's real name is actually Giovanni Lombardo Radis, uh, who is also in the Lucio Fulci film City of the Living Dead, a.k.a. Gates of Hell. Check it out, but please don't eat first. He, so just to clarify, he is not the Academy Award-winning special effects artist Carlo Rimbaldi, who worked on E.T. and also uh, the Italian slasher film Lizard in Woman's Skin. So, you know, kick back and enjoy. And with that, I say, It's time to watch a movie you've never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There will be smiles, and there will be tears. You won't watch another movie for about 800 years. It's time for death. By video. Check, check, one, two, one, two, toast, yep, toast, we're, uh, toast. We're back on the mics. Um, creamed corn, creamed corn. Yeah, I can see it. So this is a bit of a weird episode because our, our intro was kind of ruined by um, the- House drilling. House drilling by the construction going on next door to this abandoned video store, which we are glad to be back in after several weeks of me not doing anything and you guys being elsewhere. Yeah, it was, it was really weird and trippy. Yeah, I mean, I kept- you They're kept, not boarding up the video store, are they? No, 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 we can still get in here. Okay. 
Even if they do, I've got like a sawzall. We can cut through whatever they like plywood they throw up. As long as there's no barbed wire. Um, as long as they don't install a Starbucks or something here. Ooh, I just felt a cold chill go down my spine. <laughs> um, so we just uh, or a Rexall, so which is more likely. Yeah, a Rexall or a Shoppers Drug Mart. That's 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 like ugh, Toronto's getting ruined. Um, <laughs> Do you hear how um, uh, pharmacies are taking over all the music venues? Yeah, what the hell is up with that? Like, how is how is the Hard Rock Cafe closing at Young and Dundas to install a do, Shoppers Drug what, Mart? What do tourists want when they come to Young and Dundas Square? Do they want Shoppers Drug Mart? Do they want a Hard Rock Cafe? Do they want some something where they could buy a cheesy T-shirt? Do they want to get somewhere they can get some throat lozenges? SDM man, Shoppers Drug Mart. Um. So I'm probably not going to use the, the Toronto or- experience. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably not going to use the original intro that we filmed or recorded for this because we should try to use parts of it. Yeah. No, it's not very good. <laughs> the, it, there's the drill drilling. over everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm Graham. I'm Phil. And I am Kit. And welcome back to Death by Video. So uh, we just, if we don't use that intro, which we probably won't, um, we just watched Cannibal Ferox, our second video nasty in a row. And also from 1981. Also from 1981. I think it's from 1981. You know what? I gotta get my, get out my. I, I know it was released in '83, but also yeah, well, that, it, it was 81. probably filmed in '81 because the whole cannibal craze in Italy literally went from about uh, the first film came out in like '74, '72, which was um, the Man from Deep River, River, also directed by Umberto Lenzi. It sounds like a western. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a maybe it's a cannibal western. It was a knockoff of a man called Horse. Cannibal um, western sounds like a great. Yeah. There was one uh, that came out last year, uh, starring Kurt Russell, and was not the Hateful Eight. Oh, uh, that's the one that um, Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, Conan I, O'Brien I, is always recommending. It's really, really my good. Boss recommends that one. Uh, yeah, it's it's really good. He's going on about how great it is. It's uh, like, oh, caveat emptor, like this movie's like super violent, like mm-hmm. really, really violent. Uh, well, I'm it's not, not it's not it's not really violent. It's just at the end, it kind of goes, it, get, it gets super, super bleak and super, super violent. Ah, but yeah, so so Umberto Lenzi directed. <laughs> You're kind of contradicting yourself here. <laughs> at the at the end, it's not very violent, but at the very end, yeah, it very, gets super violent. Gets <laughs> it makes up for the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie is like a but that's very like the lasting impression. Like if the, all the violence comes at the end, like it just yeah, kinda, that's what you remember. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it gets it gets very very brutal at the end. A little end. bit of the old ultra violence there at the end. So let's let's talk about Cannibal Ferox, aka <laughs> yeah, make well, let's them die slowly. Talk about now, luckily, in the annals of my mind, this film has been more linked with Cannibal Holocaust, which is a much more uh, harder sit through. This film, like well, you, you as can you kind of pointing out, at it. yeah, um, they're very intertwined. Yeah, many actors from Cannibal Holocaust are also in. Mm-hmm. Robert Kerman, uh, actually, uh, Carlo Rimbaldi is not in Cannibal Holocaust, uh, but Carlo Rimbaldi, who plays the, Mike, who I guess is the villain of the piece. Yeah, you could say that because yeah. the cannibals really aren't the villain; they're the no. they're the antagonized up until you know. And unfortunately, because they are "quote unquote" ignorant savages, um, they don't can't really tell the difference between two different white people. So Mike, who is white, um, kind of causes the deaths of Rudy and uh, was it Pat? Gloria gets away. Uh, Gloria gets away. Pat, Rudy, mm-hmm. and Joe all get killed and eaten. Yep. So, um, so before we get into a bigger discussion about cannibal films, Kit, 
Take us through Cannibal Ferox, because you took down notes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I took down weird notes. Yep. That don't First really... of all, <laughs> we should say, don't Google this film at work. It starts off with jazzy, upbeat intro music. I'll tell you that. That's yeah. disco music. And I've got uh, the soundtrack. funky disco music. I've got and the we're, soundtrack we're... both on vinyl and CD, and it's my ringtone on my phone, by the way. We're, we're tracking a young man um, who, mm-hmm. who later gets called Shitface by a number of people. Uh, who looks face. drugged out, and he wanders around New York, um, eventually uh, arriving at an apartment, looking for Mike, who he can't find, and uh, then he is shot with a silencer by two thugs. To uh, a gun with a silencer. Yeah. He isn't just shot with a silencer. Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. I thought that went without saying, but okay. Yep. Um... And then we cut to uh, where, where to did we Rudy, cut to? We cut to Rudy, Pat, and Gloria in, in uh, Pana, the Amazon. Panapaguita? Pana, something. We couldn't figure out how to we spell it. And, and even at a certain point in the film, there's a character that's also like, I have no idea how to spell that either. So, yeah. Um, so there, Although 10 seconds after you mentioned that kid, it's like, I don't know how to spell it as you were taking notes. Or yeah. Bill. Bill the hard done by um, yeah. staff sergeant. I know. The, all day long, he's been sending out those telexes and getting no rest whatsoever. Bill does not get paid enough, obviously. No. He's um, kind of like the Ernie Hudson of this film, in a way. Yeah, or like the Terry Crews, like Terry Crews of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. very much so. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Me too. I actually haven't watched any of this season, though. But Me I, neither. I I've only watch watched the first three seasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. Season three was the best of what I saw of the first three seasons. Yeah. Side note. So getting back to Cannibal Ferox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we follow um, these three people as they're trying to get, I guess, deeper into the, the jungle. The Amazon jungle, yes. To um, find. So we should we should say that Gloria she's is writing a, a... She's writing a dissertation. Yeah, she's a PhD, stu- PhD student in New York City who's writing a dissertation on the myth of cannibalism in uh, Amazonian tribes and how essentially the conquistadores... Uh, justified centuries of slavery and um, exploitation of the natives of the Amazon jungle with this myth of, oh, they're cannibal savages. And so her whole purpose of going, which she enlisted her brother Rudy as a guide and her best friend Pat as a hang-along, was to, um, to, to prove her theory that cannibalism is a myth. And it's a, it's a noble theory, and I yeah. think it's it's grounded in fact, mm-hmm. and then the movie proceeds to undermine that entire dissertation. Yeah, the movie is not... They use the term. They, they, the 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 thing about this is um, not a progressive movie. No, and also no. like Umberto Lenzi. It almost seems like it though for a bit. Yeah. So yeah. so the director of the film Umberto Lenzi, he kind of kicked off the Italian cannibal subgenre with uh, Man from Deep River in 1972, um, and he is not known for his subtlety in film. Uh, this film is not subtle either, although they don't like they kind of make up their own slur for the for the native Amazonians by calling them Indios, Indios, which I guess is short for Indians, which doesn't make sense because they're Amazonian and Christopher Columbus landed in where was that again Cuba or somewhere Cuba I think was yeah. the, Hispaniola is where mm-hmm. or, or something like that yeah yeah um, so and frequently this film cuts to sh- just static shots of natives watching something. And that's done because, you know, European audiences back then, and unfortunately now... And they're all grass skirt-wearing yeah. type natives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as as Kit was uh, apt to say during the film, a lot of butt cleavage going on. Yeah, there's an ample amount of uh, butt cheek. Mm-hmm. But they would frequently cut to static shots of the natives just observing something. And it's just weird reaction shots because it doesn't really advance anything or show. They don't really... Um, act at all they just kind of, kind of stand neutral and that's because you know as I realized I'm like oh 
because audiences at the time, or at least the audience that the filmmakers were cultivating, would be so disgusted by these savages, these native savages, that it, that that in and of itself would be terrifying. Of like, oh, they're just watching this atrocity happen. Kit, go we, ahead. We meet our our three main heroes. I would say uh, uh, Gloria is doing the dissertation. Is Pat really a hero though? Well, okay. she kind of she kind of aids in the downfall. I mean, hero in the sense of the the avatar protagonist. Yeah, the protagonists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got Gloria, who's writing the dissertation. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Rudy, her brother, yep. who has an Oshkosh uh, bagosh bandana that he sports. Yep. Um, and then we've got Pat, who sleeps with everybody. She slept with a guard for a shower. <laughs> <laughs> Which was and and she unnecessary got, too. I'm sure. I know. She, could have she kept on saying, "So how about that shower?" And um, the thing that you're missing, Kit, that I don't think that I think you guys were talking over is that. When she got dropped off at the boat by the policia that she slept with to have a shower, um, she said, goodbye, Manuel, or whatever his name was. Um, maybe you should start washing. Yeah, I, rem- I remember that detail. Yeah. I, I missed that one. I missed that. Yeah. That was brutal. <laughs> so Pat, who is Gloria's friend. But who the is- least mm-hmm. brutal thing. <laughs> yeah. Pat, who is uh, um, Gloria's friend, is tagging along basically on this adventure just for yep. funsies. Mm-hmm. Um, for the lulls, kid. For the lulls. For the lulls, and um, the yucks. The yucks. Mm-hmm. So then they 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 go off on a boat, and um, they're looking for. I don't know exactly what they're looking for. They're looking. Oh, they're for, looking for. They're looking for this. Okay, so the they're point, looking for evidence of non-cannibalism, which well, is no. The whole idea was that there was this paper published like two within two years that Gloria was seeking to find the actual village because in the paper it said that the village were active cannibals, and she wanted to find that village and find ev- like actual concrete evidence. We should also note that Rudy is an accomplished photographer because he's got like six cameras with him. And so they were going there to find actual evidence that, that the cannibals listed in this article from less than two years ago were actually not cannibalistic, and therefore it was a hoax, so therefore it would prove her theory and for her dissertation, which would then get her her PhD. Right. Yes. Because that's how PhDs work. You have to disprove another doctor in order to get yours. Anyway, very uh, very shortly after the boat ride uh, commences, we get mm-hmm. our first animal kill. Lots of animals are Yeah, the, the cannibal uh, subgenre was known for its an- real-life animal death on screen. Um, but uh, this one actually is fake. It's it's a butterfly, but that's clearly a oh fake oh that one. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I thought you meant the one after that. No, not the other one. They but just the, went on and on. And not, on. not the animal on animal violence. Yeah. Yes. Muskrat. A muskrat is introduced that will later be killed rather horrifically. Yeah. But uh, a fake butterfly, kind of mm-hmm. this big ass blue butterfly, kind of flies and scares everyone, and then one of the uh, I wouldn't say natives but he's local local a local he, guy uh, the, the the pilot of or captain rather of the boat that they're on he he just goes up and eats that butterfly he's like no gotta, yep. gotta eat it well that's also a reference to like because he said it would be a bad omen if he didn't so that's kind of a reference to and again cannibalism like this interloper comes in upsets the order and he has to consume it and they're given a muskrat. I, I wait, wait i just want to say oh, i sorry. think i overread into that moment because this movie is not that smart no, it's not. No. It really isn't, folks. Yeah, it's no I mean, cannibal holocaust. They are given a muskrat at this point and are told the muskrat will be handy because the snakes will eat it first. And boy, do they ever eat that muskrat. A singular snake does it. Yes. Which just went on and on and on, and we actually witnessed the uh, the muskrat's expiration on camera. Yeah, they get a lot of uh, mileage out of that footage. 
Oh, they really do. It's mm-hmm. just Phil, really as the crazy. only vegetarian here, yes. how how did you how did you uh, deal with that that scene? Uh on one hand it's nothing I haven't seen before, but it's Really? Well, I've I've watched like animal slaughter videos, uh Oh, the the meat is murder thing that was on YouTube a while, like years ago. One of those. Mm-hmm. I, I've I've seen certain images that are just sort of permanently burned in my brain. Yep. Yeah. No. Not to spoil no, I shouldn't even say anything. But um, what? the the Twin Peaks return actually features no, no, no. Shush, shush, Okay. Shush, shush, you've seen shush. it. Did I? Yeah, it's in the episode you've seen. Which one? Uh it's the one where um uh Mrs. Palmer is watching Oh a right, video. yes, 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 okay. And it's a rather graphic nature it, video. It is. But let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to prepare Phil for that moment. I am respecting the Twin Peaks spoilers for the new season. For the old season, that show's been out for 25 years. It's not much of a spoiler. Leland Palmer killed Laura Palmer, who was his daughter. He was possessed by Bob. (laughs) 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 That's that's, that's the first two seasons of Twin Peaks and the movie from 25 years ago. Okay. So so we can spoil Citizen Kane now. Yeah, Rosebud was the sled. Get over it, guys. Come on. Bruce Willis was dead all along in the sixth sense. Yep. Kevin Spacey plays Kaiser Soze in The Usual Suspects. And uh, Ed Norton and Brad Pitt are the same person in Fight Club. What? What? <laughs> what? Anyway, back to Cannibal Ferox. <laughs> yeah, back to the movie at hand. So, yeah, the the uh, muskrat dies. They, they does, the muskrat does First not First of all, they, they lose their jeep in the mud. They lose their jeep in the mud. They get stuck. They get unstuck. It was the second time, yeah. Yeah, they get stuck, they get unstuck, and then stuck again, and then they just decide, well, there goes the Jeep. <laughs> Which Which is kind of odd. Yeah, because Jeeps are like like especially back then, they were not easy to come by. So that was probably like a you know, at least a fifteen thousand dollar vehicle that they're just like, meh. And dude so adamant, the engine's gone. Yeah. We just we just got to leave it. Yep. And they smash a bottle of whiskey, which upsets them more than the Jeep getting stuck in the mud. Well, not Pat, because she's like, We got tons of whiskey. Yeah. I mean, given the circumstances, it's kind of dry. It's like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the mus- unless you're a Tito Taylor, they they spend the night in the in the jungle and mm-hmm. they wake up to a their their muskrat, their being pet muskrat, crushed being to death by an anaconda for like five ten minutes. Yeah. This goes on, and for we quite see some the time. whole death. Which yes, is we do. Very uncomfortable and awful. <laughs> Not the but last awful and comfortable one no, of the there's movie. No, there's a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go on from there. Um, they actually encounter a, um, a, a native... A native eating grubs. Eating grubs. Which is kind of disgusting, because they then punch in for a close-up on hit the grubs in his mouth, and he's going... Yeah. It, it's actually weird, because Rudy is, like, with his machete, he's cutting down some brush, and he mm-hmm. cuts down one piece of brush, and there's the native just sitting there. Yeah. Just yeah, hanging he's out. he's just trying to eat in peace, just, like, munching on the grubs, and then, you know... Stupid white people just showing up and ruining my lunch. Oh, and I forgot. Um, before before they even get off the boat, um, Pat uses the uh, the the strange um, idiom: um, "kill two parrots with one cracker." Yeah, which is a track on the soundtrack, which I have on vinyl, and it was released by I think Waxworks Records. The uh, soundtrack is actually amazing, and it's done by uh, uh, Ronaldo Donati, um, the Italian composer, and and it goes from disco to 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 funk. To, to be fair to the movie, the soundtrack is pretty yeah. solid throughout. Most of the cannibal films had great soundtracks. That's a very bizarre <laughs> fact about them, but they did. Cannibal Holocaust is beautiful. And and where to go from here? Oh, they uh, they encounter Mike, 
and his friend Right, they run into Mike and Joe, who are the Mike, cocaine course, bros. Mike, of course, we have heard from when Shitface mm-hmm. got shot. Yeah, they're looking for Mike. Back in New York. And uh, Joe looks like Elijah Wood. He really does. He does, yeah. We all at a certain point were like, oh my god, it's Elijah Wood's dad. Um, <laughs> it's the eyes. It's the it's the big eyes. The cocaine eyes. Um, so it's interesting because uh, which character offers Mike a drink? And Mike's like, oh, I don't drink alcohol. Uh, I think it's Pat that yes. offers him a Pat drink. Pat offers him some of the whiskey, and Mike goes, I, I don't drink alcohol. My thing is snow. Yeah, and he then loves he, the he snow. carries a little pouch of cocaine around his neck on a thread. And it's alluded very in the first five minutes of Cannibal Ferox that Pat is also takes a liking to uh, to bad boys to Nuto to cocaine because she was asks like, oh, do you know where I can find some coca leaves? Oh right, yeah, she's she's on the hunt for some cocaine as well. Yes. Yeah, um, and then... Free cocaine. Mm-hmm, which Mike has seemingly an endless supply of in his small pouch around his neck. But Mike and Joe have a gruesome story to tell. Mm-hmm. They were, um, you know, just trying to trying to, trying to to get some co- snow going and trying to, like, also mine some emeralds, and then these bloody cannibals just came in and ruined everything and killed their Portuguese guide. They were with a bunch of Portuguese people, apparently. One Portuguese person. I, I, I thought the story that Mike told was a group of Portuguese, but... I it was the no. He kept referring to the Portuguese, but it was one guy. Oh, I see. Um, and so they 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 famously what did they do? They they uh, what's the line? Kit, can I can I see it? Thank you. Um, they castrated him with a machete, and then they ate his genitals. Yeah, it's, it's said with such dramatic flair that it actually it, made it, us laugh. It's, more like, it's <laughs> the timing because there's this long pause. It's like they ate his genitals. <laughs> it went. They castrated him with a machete, and then. And then they the ate his genitals. genitals. Yes, <laughs> that that adequately sums. We should up also the we should also nation. note that that Mike, anytime he's presented with a fact by a woman, refers to that woman as. Uh, oh, he goes like, it's 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 only Gloria. He goes like, he keeps going. Hey, listen, twat. He he calls Gloria, who is the one character that is kind of likable here. He mm-hmm. calls her twat a bunch of times. Fun fact: It turns out that Mike is the real twat. Yes. Um, so then, what happens next? Then basically we find out that Mike and Joe are full of crap. Um, Joe gets worse. They find the village that Mike and Joe were hanging out yeah, at. Yeah, Joe is wounded. Yeah. Yeah. And so Joe needs some antibiotics and a rest, and then Joe spills the beans that actually the Portuguese guy was not Portuguese, he was a native, that showed them three emeralds, and they had left New York because they ripped off a bunch of snow from some, uh, Brooklyn Tufts. Mm-hmm. Who uh, we met. We met at the start of the film and we're um, trying to find Mike when they uh, killed Pigface or Shitface as he's known. Yeah, he's called both uh, both of those things. Both liberally. Um, and the cops are also after him as well. I love the fact that the cops carry around uh, Mike's uh, headshot, professionally done, glamour, beauty. <laughs> it is clearly his actual actor's headshot. Yeah, too. <laughs> because they couldn't afford anything else for this movie. So um, we find out that Mike and Joe are full of crap. Um, he's won three Oscars. Yeah. I know, it's amazing, right? <laughs> it's amazing that this guy who plays the coked-up, racist, like, uh, misogynist, misogynistic, terrible horrible human being, yeah. who who turns out it was him that castrated the Portuguese, not uh, Yes, not as uh, Joe reveals, it's actually um, Mike who, again, castrated the, not the Portuguese, They he called him a Portuguese, and he, at one point, he uh, does a bunch of coke with Pat. Oh, yeah, so this is later on. So, so him and Pat hook up. And then Pat's just loving that cocaine. 
And uh, then him and he suggests, hey, let's go make an Indio girl. Which is unfortunately exactly what you might think yep. it is. So he goes down, finds a, uh, well, we don't know, really know how young she is or old she is because she's caked in like mud, I, I think She's it was. a teenager, it seems. Hopefully. She, she looks like she's in her early teens. I'm not a good judge Yeah, of she age, looks really a little too young. No. Um, so they a... basically, like, he gets Pat to hold her at knife point while he holds off her, her brother or boyfriend. There's a lot of okay. It's an upsetting scene. It's an ups- very upsetting. He We're doesn't just, actually um, go through. Rape with doesn't it, occur, but, but he, he does murders kill her. her. Yeah, pointlessly. And then when when Rudy comes and is all aghast about mm-hmm. this, uh, I think um, uh, what does he what does he say? He says, "Get off my case, motherfucker!" And that line was uh, <laughs> sampled exactly by. like how Phil said it. <laughs> I think Phil, you could play Cardo Rimbaldi in the, uh, the biopic. And that line was sampled by Electric Wizard on uh, the opening track off the album "Come My Fanatics" for all you doom metal fans. Uh, mm-hmm. So many of you out there. Yeah. I think they're our core audience, to be honest. By the way, if you haven't yet, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe on iTunes. Please. Um, by the way, by the way, if anyone is listening to this who has not followed us on Facebook, please send us a message. We want to know thoughts and feelings. I hate harassing people to be like, "Hey, what'd you think?" So that we can then the good and the bad. I mean, yeah, we, good or good yeah. or bad, or just in between, like meh. I would love to get like a random message from uh, from California where some people listen to our podcast. Um, uh, big <laughs> shout out to um, what well, was Los Angeles? It was Sacramento. It was Oakland, and oh. where else was it? Somewhere else. Um, There's just the whole Bay Area is kind Bakersfield as well. Listen to us. Oh, wow. So big shout out to Bakersfield, Los Angeles, um, Oakland. Uh, I think maybe San Bernardino, um, and uh, Sacramento. Thank you so much for listening. Sacktown. And if wow, there's anyone listening in San Francisco, town. I love your city very much. It's my favorite non-Canadian city. Um, Fact. Back to Cannibal Ferox. Well, there's there's so much. There's I don't know. There's much. To, well, I, there's, at, there's at one point here. There is a brutal turtle mm-hmm. killing. Yeah, uh, it's a large turtle, and I think it just gets killed for eating, just like yep. as they would eat a turtle. Mm-hmm. But Do you cook it over a fire, an open you, fire. You see it, like, yeah. You see them like, chopping off, and then it's, it's arms and limbs are still. Footage. The the horrifying thing about the turtle death, because there's also a turtle death in in Cannibal Holocaust, is that turtles don't scream. So even if they recorded the sound, you just get silence as its arms and legs are wiggling around and its tail's wiggling around. There is a lot of brutality in this movie. Luckily, the acting and performance and storyline is so over the top that, that it's kind of leavened a little bit. And we we found laugh time to it. laugh. Yeah. But the brutal, uh, the brutal turtle killing is especially gruesome. Although, to be fair, I've I've seen like a chicken get its head chopped off on on in a movie as well, and that's just kind of it's just as disturbing as that. Yeah, and we should also point out before everybody gets you know gets all uptight. Before the 1980s, really before, what was that film, Heaven's Gate, where they, um, the yeah, Humane Society Heaven, start... Heaven's Gate, um... Uh, Michael Cimino or Chim, Chimino? Is it, I, pronounce I, I pronounce Chimino, I don't know. Yeah, Michael Chimino. Because they, they killed, just killed horses left, right, and center. Yeah, and like, Ingmar Bergman slaughtered a mm-hmm. horse for like, his, one of his few English language films, yeah. Serpent's Egg, and like, he was, his insistence like, it's for art, you know? Yeah, so that's the thing, like, we, we like to point fingers, but we ha- should remember that. And if then you saw an animal killing in apocalypse now, yeah, yeah. If um, if you saw an animal die on screen before 1985, it was probably legitimately killed on screen, mm-hmm. and that's just, you know, what was done. Now you have to watch David Attenborough documentaries for that. Yeah, 
Well, that was the whole, t- the whole time we were watching animals die on screen. We were just thinking, like, if David and Adam- probably Milo and Otis after. Oh all. God! <laughs> What's I'm where? Sorry to bring that up. Do you know? But... Do you know what? I'd actually argue that Milo and Otis is probably the mo- more offensive film than Cannibal Ferox. Oh, sh- <laughs> I've never seen Milo and Otis, but I I do know. I watched it in grade three. A lot of them in died? school. Oh well, they just kept. Oh, they basically were like, "Oh, we want the cat to limp. Let's just break its leg." Oh God! Oh, we want to show the 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 puppy. Let's throw the pug off a uh, waterfall. Yeah, we yeah. want to show the the pug jumping into the water. Let's check all the this, pug off. All this hullabaloo over a dog's purpose this year. And, I know. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's brutal. It's it's neither been confirmed nor denied, but you can speculate There's about like, Milo and Otis. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So back to that. Cherry film we just watched Cannibal Ferox. Yeah. Well, um oh, it's it's hard to pick up the plot thread mm-hmm. for some oh, um So so let's let's Gloria let's, goes missing. Yeah, Gloria goes missing. It turns out she fell down into a trap. Um, and so they split up to find her. Mm-hmm. And uh, they encounter a village. Uh, the mm-hmm. village of the the Indios, I guess as they're called in the film. Yeah. Oh, we had already jumped ahead to that. Okay. But that's how we got there, is that they split up That's and, when they kill the turtle. Yeah. And so the village of the Indios turns out that Mike's the bad guy, and then the and the reason why they've been okay so far is because the the men of the tribe have been off on a fishing excursion. The men come back, they catch Mike, they catch Gloria, they catch Pat, they, they catch, catch Rudy, everyone. they kill and eviscerate Joe. Well, Joe dies; he just dies from That's true. blood loss. And then they cut but him they, open. Yeah, they take out, out his, his body, intestines. and then in front of Gloria and mm-hmm. Rudy, they cut him open, and then just yeah. like just start eating them which leads to one of the the greatest smash cuts in history of like joe getting his organs ripped out cut to rudy and gloria just tearing through the jungle just (laughs) as fast as they can um running through the jungle like ccr yeah i'm pretty sure that's where ccr got the name for this for that song i'm sure even though 10 years before i know i know kit i know they time traveled this is proof of that yeah um and so then they'll get caught mike gets castrated Mike gets rather viciously castrated, although on hard, camera, hard to feel sorry for Mike. Yeah, you get to see little Mike get cut off. Little Carlos, and <laughs> this is the, the the unintentionally hilarious mode of like an otherwise really gruesome. Oh yeah, so we should, we we forgot to mention so so Mike gets castrated on camera, and then the native that does it eats his penis, and then everybody cheer. The, the natives cheer. The, let's be clear, like, it wasn't his com- compadres; it was the natives cheer, and then. Um, it just zooms a, in on Gloria, and, and there's, there's a voiceover. A voiceover. <laughs> and what's the line exactly? Cannibalism oh, is a there. myth. I, I didn't write it down, but I think I remember it. Mm-hmm. It's just when she was discussing earlier about her dissertation, how cannibalism is a hoax and it's not real. Yeah. And this flashes through her mind as she's watching. And we hear the words, "Cannibalism isn't real." <laughs> And she's like looking on, and then it cast. cuts back to New York with the disco music, and you just kind of, yes. it you just kind of feel like, oh my god! Like, meanwhile in New York City, they're still trying to figure out where Mike is, and they that's where they that's when they find out that Mike had a girlfriend, who seems really well put together considering she's she was a dating Mike. Guide, yeah, yeah, she was leading a bunch of Italian tourists to the oldest opium den in Chinatown. Fun. Can't get enough of those drug of those sweet sweet drugs. Um. And then she heads to basically the cops pick her up and they put a tail on her. She meets up with the two Brooklyn Tufts. Um, and then the cops show up and they decided, like, hey, let's go to the Amazon as well and try and find out what happened to this Mike character that you're so into. Now, Mike does not 
get killed from his castration. He no, actually no. lives for quite some he does time. Pretty w- he does pretty well for uh, for a castrated man. And I man. believe we all called him Dickless for the rest of the film. Yeah. Oh, Mike. And then he becomes handless at a certain I think point. You, I think mostly you called him Dickless while we were watching <laughs> it. I was channeling my inner race dance for that. Yeah. Good old race dance. My favorite Ghostbuster. Um, so then they're captured by the cannibals. And they uh, they get taken to another cannibal camp. Although there is that hilarious moment where like Gloria asks Rudy, like, "So where are they taking?" Cannibal take- camp. That's a movie I want to watch. Cannibal camp out. Um, <laughs> well, they they ask. Um, well, Gloria asks Rudy. She's like, "Where are they taking us?" And Rudy's answer should have been, "I have no idea. Why do you keep asking me that?" But instead, he's like, "So Dickless is out in." Uh... Well, no, we're we're on the canoe trip, mm-hmm. and uh, Gloria and Rudy agree that if one of them should get the chance to escape, they should just go for it. They just go for it, and it is Rudy who bravely decides to run away after Gloria falls into the water. Yes, it's like, "See you later, sis." <laughs> I'm off to New York City. Um. And but then he falls into more water, which has piranhas. Rudy does not get far. No, Rudy did fail. That's a reference to the Clash, because they have a song called "Rudy Can't Fail." I got that reference. Thank you, Phil. I did not. Yeah, Kit, you didn't. You never uh, listened to London Calling. You know, I did. I I, I did recently, and uh, I thought it was overrated. I'm sorry. Oh my God! <laughs> you prefer the Mighty Mighty Boss so, cover? Rudy so, can't fail. So right? uh, we're looking for a new co-host on the show. <laughs> you cannot besmirch the Clash wow. ever in my house. Wow! Or in this I can't abandoned believe you video went store. There. Yeah, <laughs> you overrated. My God! I was surprised. Graham's all-time but favorite then, record. But then again, Kit, you also thought that like. Good Charlotte was post-punk, so... <laughs> did you oh. really? Yeah, Here you we did. go. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I didn't know and what Fall post-punk Boy, you were was. Like, There's all this post-punk on the radio. I'm like, what, like New Order and Joy Division? I and was making up terms. Yeah, you didn't know. You probably didn't well, even listen. I, I you guess, didn't I guess listen I to understand any... why you think that was post-punk. The, so yeah, punk rock is dead. It's, it's a, a Blink-182, that's post-punk. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I saw Green, it. Green Day, the yeah. post-punk pioneers. Like shitty imitation of, yeah, punk. <laughs> of, of what punk You probably didn't be. even listen to London Calling. You probably just listened to like Pennywise's Full Circle or something. It was like, no, this is London no, Calling, no, right? No. Yeah. Um, anyways, back to Cannibal Ferox. Kit. Um <laughs> Well, you thought London Calling was overrated. Is Maybe I need to give it another listen, call. but I, honestly, we're going to listen just... to it as soon as we're done this right now. <laughs> and I'm going to hold your head to the speakers. Um, so it's just like a Kinks album or something like that. I don't know. It's just... It sounds nothing what? like the Kinks. What? Did you just listen to the Kinks and think it was the Clash because they're both British? Maybe. Okay. Um, <laughs> so back to Cannibal Ferox. Um, so then they go to the second camp where Mike is put in the ground, and uh, well, they're both they're all, they're separated. Yeah. Mike's put in the ground. Rudy's and dead though, right? At this Rudy point? Rudy has been eaten by piranhas yeah. for quite some time. Um, Rudy's dead. They they actually they while he's being eaten by mm-hmm. piranhas, he comes out and he's like, "Help me!" And I don't know why he thought that they. Oh, would and help they darted him. him. Yeah, and they dart him. I know, and that's when I and when he said, "Help me," and I said, "The I'm gonna toot my own joke right now." And I said, "Help me to die." <laughs> <laughs> I'll help you. <laughs> Oh. Did they dart him after he's lost his like kneecap due to the piranha? And... Yes. Yeah. Yes, they did. There yeah, was they, actually they, yeah. They ate his the piranhas ate his kneecap off in a pretty gruesome scene. Actually, seems like a mercy killing at this point. Yeah. Because yeah, 
Because what happens to the other guys isn't that much better. Although you told us there's an extended cut where we get to see more of the more piranha. More of the piranha attack, yeah, where they just sort of eat eat Mike out. Mike, eat Mike whole. Eat Rudy. Rudy. Eat Rudy. Freezer. Rudy. 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 Eat, eat Rudy. Sorry, not Mike. Um, Rudy. 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 Rudy Soho. That's rancid. I know it's rancid. <laughs> I don't think you do. Um, so then. Uh, You're a big influence on The Clash. <laughs> God. I'm sorry, Grant. <laughs> so then Gloria and Pat are put into a large, like, clay prison of some sort. Yes, with they no are. way out. And uh, Mike is put into a pit in the ground, which well, he... Dickless. Dickless. <laughs> which he's able to, like, dig his way out of because um, he digs through the mud because it's wet ground. And then he escapes briefly. Then they catch him. Uh, he see- By the way, well, forget, at this we point... We forgot that Gloria and uh, Pat actually sing a song together. Yeah, they do, which is a beautiful scene in the movie which inspires one of the indios or natives yes, to, to help try them. to free them yeah God, we're eating people. That was probably the response that the native just hit. It just like, you know, when you're like wrapped up in a moment and you're just like, oh, this is crazy. What are we doing? Like, he probably li- watches Sesame Street. Yeah, the um, grass skirts are one thing, but now we're eating people? Yeah. Like, seriously, that dude just lost his dick and the other guy ate it. Like, <laughs> oh, God. We're joking about this movie, but it's pretty grim. Um, it's, it's an over the top movie. It's, it's a, a yeah. really disgusting movie. I know. It's fundamentally <laughs> disgusting. Aren't rotten you to guys super glad that we're not watching Cannibal Holocaust? Which is. I am, yes. Yeah, because trust me, that movie, you don't feel good Although afterwards. The ghosts of the Haunted Views are total dicks for wanting us to watch this yeah. movie. Yeah. They don't want us to watch Cannibal Holocaust, do they? Not yet. <laughs> let's, let's appease them. Maybe that'll be episode 100. We'll God. see. Well, that's optimistic. Where did that it? voice come from? Um, it's 93 gram all over again. Quiet you. Um, <laughs> all right, back on track. Back on track. So, so Mike, yeah, Mike escapes, escapes. Then he gets his hand chopped off. And Old Jamie Lannister style yep. for all you Game of Thrones fans. Sure. Six people that watch that show. Um, <laughs> boring. Um, so did, did you just single-handedly alienate the entire uh, Game of Thrones <laughs> Yeah, guys, waste your hours doing something else. Sorry, I've I've tried to watch Game of Thrones like six times. It's so boring. <laughs> so we've managed to alienate Clash fans and Game of Thrones fans this episode. I think we've uh, we've There's a Venn com- diagram somewhere there. Our listenership is going to keep just spiraling down to nothing at this point. Maybe we'll get comments now. Silver yeah. in the lining. 
please, someone, even if you hate us, let us know. Um, although we do on our Instagram account does do quite well, I have to say. We get yeah. comments on Instagram, and um, yeah, it's almost like we're a better Instagram account than we are a podcast. Sure. So then, <laughs> so then after Mike's escape attempt, when he like actually kind of gives the so the one native tries to help Gloria and Pat escape. Gloria and Pat do not escape because Mike interrupts them and chops the thing off. And since he has no dick, he does not care. He does not care for the women after that. And by the way now, Phil, your mom listens to this podcast too. Did you know that? I figure she would. Yeah. You found out? Yeah. yeah. Did your mom listen to this kit? <laughs> My mom is not. Ba- she's barely on the internet. Well, I don't know. Oh, right. Oh, no, I know what oh, happens. Oh, so then pull, we get the gruesome they, they pull, scene. Yeah, so they simultaneously pull uh, Pat out and Gloria to watch what happens to Mike. Mike gets his head put... Uh, uh, put through a special table with a hole in it. Meanwhile, Detective Rizzo from New York yeah, and, and and Mike's girlfriend are flying, are flying around, around in a, on a uh, pontoon plane, boat, yeah. like like it's Danger Bay or something. And um, <laughs> not landing. Yeah, and they're trying to like figure out. So what? Where exactly did they go? Um, and so they Mike, almost see Mike. They almost see Mike, but Mike then gets captured again. And Mike at that point gets the top of his he his head is put through a special ta- the special hole in this table. He gets his the top of his skull chopped off. The natives eat his brains. The natives then um, put hooks through part of Pat's anatomy, which is very disturbing. It's it's an and hang her up scene, yeah. until she dies to the point where Gloria begs, like I guess God or someone, like please let Pat die soon. And she does. And then she says, "Please let me die soon as well," because she knows what's going to befall her. But luckily, the good native frees her. And she runs to safety and finds the pontoon boat. Oh, the good native gets killed, by the way. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, the good yes, native doesn't. the very gruesome trap that. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. walk into. They walk. In, they literally walk into a trap. Uh, so this bamboo spiked, um, death machine kills the. Hey, we have a death machine, like in the uh, the the credit the opening credits of this song. Oh, this um, the opening theme of this show. We have a we have a death machine. Our first death machine, I think. No, no, no. Exterminator 2. Exterminator 2 Exterminator definitely 2. had yeah, death machines. Machine, yes. Yeah, Exterminator 2 has a death machine. Um, so uh, at that point, the good native dies. She escapes, and then we're brought back to New York City where she's getting her PhD, where she's just dead inside. She is dead inside. Her and eyes are hollow. The, the Her dissertation actually lies and says that, no, there are no cannibals, and that our, the, her um, traveling compadres were killed by cro- crocodiles. And that was Cannibal Ferox. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. So let's start getting into a little bit more of where Cannibal Ferox came from, because like it's it's such a bizarre movie, right? Like it's it's I'm not alone in this thinking like this is crazy that this was actually a it, widely released European. film. It's a film. bizarre film. I don't know if anybody's seen Eli Roth um, Green Inferno. Green Probably Inferno. two of you have. I don't know. It's two not of really... us have. Yeah, two of us have. We yeah, saw we actually the... were at the world premiere. At, at, at TIFF, TIFF in uh, 2013. 20, I think it was 2013, 2013 The Midnight, Midnight Madness. Mm-hmm. It was fun to watch. but It, it was fun to watch because it was TIFF. That's let's, the thing. let's be fair, Green Inferno is not a good film. No, and Midnight Madness at TIFF makes every movie good. Like, if when you're in that, crowd that audience for of 2,000 yeah. people at midnight cheering every little thing... They they eat a guy's eyeballs, the crowd goes wild for yeah. it, so it's, it's kind of surreal. I knew that Midnight Madness at TIFF was my home when... Uh, in 2006, during a screening of the not very good New Zealand film Black Sheep, this character picks up a chainsaw to fight these mutant sheep. As he picks up the chainsaw, the audience launches into applause and goes, yeah, woo! He drops the chainsaw and it falls out of the truck, and the audience goes, aww. <laughs> 
So that's, you know, that's that audience. So, so yeah, like, I mean, Umberto Lenzi kicked off the cannibal genre, like we were saying, in 1972 with Man from Deep River. And I think there's, uh, there's, there's, there's some pretty latent racism going on here and all of that. There, there is indeed, because it is definitely a look at these savages. Because every film is essentially the same where a European or uh, North American, uh, either for academic purposes or documentary purposes or for searching for minerals or gold or oil or something, go to South America, go into the Amazon, go deeper than any white man has gone before, and then encounters a tribe of primitives who then brutally kill and eat them. And that's pretty much every cannibal film. And they're not really enjoyable. I mean, this one's kind of enjoyable to watch because it's so ludicrous, but most of them aren't. Most of them are very mean-spirited. This one is mean-spirited as well. This one's very mean-spirited. Yes, it is. It's very mean-spirited. And you get this, you know, they, they like, luckily with the benefit of time and also the fact, watching this on a pristine Blu-ray, which, by the way, the Blu-ray... Looks great. Looks great. Like, it, it's a very beautiful, like, restoration of the 16-millimeter negative... Looks good, but watch shots of old New York at the beginning are actually oh, a lot so, of fun. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Phil, you were gonna say? Oh no, I was just gonna uh echo, echo what Kit said. It's mm-hmm. just these great exteriors. So it was filmed without a permit and Yeah, yeah. Most New York film uh, most Italian films that were shot gritty, in New York had bankrupt um, uh Manhattan just Manhattan, yeah. Holding on by a thread. Um and then Divine Madness with Bet Midler was playing in I know, on forty second street in the grand houses. Yeah. Um so it looks good, but like when you initially when this film was released to North America on VHS under the title of "Make Them Die Slowly," um, again that's got to be a doom metal song yeah. somewhere. Make them die slowly. Or death metal, probably Cannibal Something. Corpse for uh, sure. So it was a very poorly transferred VHS videotape, and so that that added to the experience. It was banned outright in Britain, um, and as as it should have been, as it should have been. <laughs> And 30 other countries. And 30 other countries, yes. Probably Canada as well, briefly. Not the good old US of A. But on videotape where you couldn't really see what's going on, it, it takes on a much more grim tone. And also, like, the audio of... Like, we're listening to this through beautiful stereo, like, restored audio. You're hearing this murky sound, this, this like, uh, very gritty, un, almost impenetrable image and it's it's way more disturbing. It's kind of like when you watch a um, a Harmony Korine film or some David Lynch, where he artificially slows things down and zooms in digitally or like uh, anal- on analog video. It creates this very disturbing, very intense and unnerving situation. So now with why are you shaking your head at me, Kit? No, I'm, trying I'm, to, I'm smiling. I'm trying to, to, to elevate here. You guys will love episodes. So now that it's pristine, like a lot of that grit has been kind of washed away, and it, it, you kind of see that maybe this film is not as powerful as it was. And Umberto Lindsay, how this film came into existence was Umberto Lindsay and Ruggiero Diodato kind of traded back and forth with the early cannibal films starting in 72, and then 77 was when they kicked off in earnest. And like every year they'd kind of go back and forth. And in 1980... Ruggiero Diodato, who was trained by... So in Italy, you apprenticed under other directors. So Ruggiero Diodato, coming up, apprenticed under Roberto Rossellini and Sergio Corbucci. So the interesting thing about the two of them is that Roberto Rossellini was kind of the master of Italian neorealism, and he stuck with it long after like Fellini and some of his uh, uh, contemporaries left Italian neorealism for other, other genres. And so he learned, you know, if you've ever seen Rome Open City... It's a very intense, very bleak, very disturbing film set in uh, Italy as fascists were, were basically taking over. 
and uh, Sergio Corbucci directed the original Django. He directed the Great El, the Great Silence, aka El Grande Silencio, and he brought this intense violence to the spaghetti western. Granted, it's intense for 1960s, not necessarily for it's 2017. It's still pretty intense. I've yes. seen the Great Silence. Yes, El, yeah, El Grande Silencio is quite intense. And uh, they were, it had a weak ending. Like they didn't mm-hmm. do an alternate happy ending, which never aired, thankfully. Yes. but it, it is on the DVD if you if you have seen it. So you have that combination of realism and intense violence, and also at the time in the late '60s and early '70s, the Mondo films, which were was a series of documentaries, shock documentaries that kind of like played to catered to xenophobia, mm. uh, especially of the European markets, where it's like. A film crew would go to Africa and film like you know uh, conflicts between new post-colonial countries uh, with lots of brutality and lots of violence. They'd go to South America and like film you know animals being killed, like in this film. And you would they would basically just present these unedited footage as like here's how the world is. It's shocking. It's bad. It's awful. And Ruggiero Diodato saw this and hated the fact that the documentary format was being exploited. So he decided to combine to get financing for Cannibal Holocaust. He was like, "Oh, it's a cannibal film," because the other cannibal films were essentially pitched as adventure films, like almost proto Indiana Jones to a degree. Mm-hmm. And this would all loop around again at the end to uh, the guy. I think the last—I don't want to say great cannibal film, but the last uh, important cannibal film was it Cannibal Run? No, it wasn't Cannibal Run <laughs> or, or Cannibal, cannibal Run, Run Two. <laughs> It was The Massacre in Dinosaur Valley, which was directed by Enzo G. Castellari, who did uh, 1990 The Bronx Warriors, who did the original Glorious Bastards, who did a lot of really great films, um, which was essentially an Indiana Jones uh, cannibal film pastiche. So in 1979, 1980, Ruggiero Diodato filmed Cannibal Holocaust as a reaction to the Mondo documentaries. So in Cannibal Holocaust, the characters are documentary filmmakers. It's a found footage film, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. A, it's, yeah, it is. And when... And uh, uh, there's that great um, urban myth. I, I don't know if it's mm-hmm. legend, but they were actually investigated for murder, the filmmakers. They, yeah, yeah. Ruggiero, no, they, they were investigated. Mm-hmm. It was like they were to charged. add to like, the mystique of the film. So like, Ruggiero Diodato like, had the... He paid the, the, actors, the actors to, to disappear, disappear for a year essentially, to not appear in anything And then they else. showed up at the trial. And, yeah, and... so that he wouldn't go to jail. And so th- Cannibal Holocaust was a Yeah, there hit. was there was a book yeah. that was inspired a novel that came out last fall called We Eat Our Own, which is really good by a first-time author. I'm going to I'm gonna check that out because yeah. that, that really sounds mm-hmm. up my alley. Do you guys sell it at your respective bookstores? I sell it at my bookstore. It's still in hardcover. It'll probably be on paperback soon. Cool, I'll look it up. Um, so back to this. So essentially Cannibal Holocaust was kind of, it became a surprise hit. This kind of annoyed Umberto Lenzi because he had kicked off this cannibal genre and him and Ruggiero Diodato had always had a playful competition between their two, their, their outputs. So Umberto Lenzi decided like, well, you know what? I'm going to go above and beyond. Like in Cannibal Holocaust, there's a castration scene. I'm going to do a castration scene, two of them. And in the second one, they're actually going to eat the penis in front of everybody. And they do. And they do. And... So in his and also Umberto Lenzi, he I, I enjoy his films, but he doesn't have the pedigree that Ruggiero Diodato does to, to get that realistic tone and feeling. So, for instance, in this film, the animal cruelty is almost used as like, hey, there's animal cruelty in Cannibal Holocaust. They introduce animal cruelty early on to, to make it feel real. And then when the actual like human atrocities start, it then you, you have that in your mindset that like oh my god real animals died this is real 
and that just plays up to the power of that film. I, and please don't look up Cannibal Holocaust on don't Google. Don't watch it. At work. No, no, no. You can watch it. Just don't look it up at work. Don't look it up on your phone when you're on the subway. Don't look it up. It's These films really are the last true bastion of, I guess, transgressive art to a degree. Transgressive art. Wow, yeah. that's an interesting term. I like it. I, I would say I would say they're transgressive art because they are, or at least in Ruggiero Diodato's case, he's trying to make a comment on contemporary society but maybe not succeeding. I don't think Cannibal Holocaust succeeds in its criticisms because it was embraced by that 42nd Street grindhouse audience. You do see the, the doom metal guys wearing Cannibal Holocaust t-shirts. So I don't know if it, it succeeded. It was a big hit with like the Faces of Death crowd. Uh, exactly. It's it's. Yeah, we actually, uh, Phil brought up Faces of Death during watching mm-hmm. this movie, and, and it's pertinent because... I don't know. That was one of those like um, legendary films you'd exactly, hear about in yeah. high school mm-hmm. um, that you'd have to have a bootleg so copy of. Kind of like yeah. contraband VHS tapes. Yeah, yeah. Much like, much like, well, Cannibal Holocaust was never officially released on VHS in North America. Although I've heard Faces of Death one was a hoax, but uh, it the was other, well, a subsequent editions. It, yeah, were actual. the the first one because I there's this documentary from Britain called Does Snuff Exist, and they actually covered Faces of Death, and they said in the first one. They actually bought some news footage and then faked the rest. And then in the sequels, which weren't from the same production company, they were just buying raw news footage of you know death on screen and, and presented it in a compilation tape. Um, and but make them die slowly. Like in the Blu-ray released by Grindhouse releasing uh, a couple of years ago, they include this booklet with a couple essays. One of them is by Eli Roth, the director of The Green Inferno, and he he to be honest, most of his facts are wrong. <laughs> he keeps promoting this myth that the reason why the Italian films were post-dubbed was because of a of Mussolini, but that's not true. All, all Are you films... listening, Eli Roth? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he is. I'm going to hashtag him into this. Um, um, but he the the truth is, all uh, like many foreign films were post-dubbed up until about the 90s. Like uh, All of Jackie Chan's early films were post-dubbed. It was just a way of expediting production and not having to pay for everyone to be quiet. Or waiting for it. It's like, no, we got to get through this right now. So, how do we feel after watching Cannibal Ferox? I mean, like, this is... Both of you guys have never seen a cannibal film before. Uh, Well, I've seen Green Inferno. You've seen Green Inferno, but that one doesn't count because... I've seen Alive. Yeah, Yeah, we've got about Alive. Alive. But Alive is not real. It's not the same thing, though. That's like, we're eating to... We're eating to survive. We're not eating because we're evil savages from the Amazon. I've seen the Hannibal movie. Oh yeah, you yeah, forgot about the Hannibal okay, movies. Hannibal. <laughs> lots of lots of cannibals in yeah, pop culture yeah, still. Jerks. Um. <laughs> Not to undermine your your grand point. Yeah. But okay, how do I feel? I don't know. It was kind of a dirty film. Yeah. Um, you don't you don't feel clean after watching these films. Even it's, it's not as bad as I was thinking though. No, no, no. Oddly no. enough. And it's to be honest, in my head, it was it was it, sillier than I it, thought. It was it was sillier to me too because I haven't I haven't seen this film in a few years and. Um, and I don't really watch these films a lot to begin with. You you kind of can't because they're just so gross. Well, some of the gore is like, oh, I can tell this is fake. Mm-hmm. Like even when um, they're they're spearing poor Pat's um, breasts, you could tell they were fake. You could tell that this it is was pretty darn. It, it, is, Carlo, it is disturbing. Carlo, Carlo Rambaldi um, won and has won three Oscars for his effects. Okay. When when yeah. Mike got his uh, penis uh, cut off, it was it was very quick though. So oddly he, enough, Carlo. Rimbaldi. Would have would have created his own fake penis mm-hmm. for being eaten, wouldn't he? And also, I think the fact that you knew it was it, the, the guy was the special effects supervisor for the film and the guy that created the practical effects, I think that probably took away some of the impact of that. 
It because seems just... like a small penis. Was it? Was that just me? Or I didn't look it that closely flaccid. at it. it okay, kind of fair, pit, fair. Pit. <laughs> I almost combine, combine you guys' names in the pit. Um, uh, <laughs> That's a stellar portmanteau. Actually, yeah. if you combine uh, Phil and I, we get be- in the pit. We become Brad Pitt. That's that's exactly what yeah, happens. Yeah, that's exactly it. But I'm 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 fascinated by these these films that like were and like this was meant for a commercial release. This was not like oh we're doing it for the direct to DVD underground crowd. Like this was meant no, to play there was in no direct to DVD at that point. Release in Rome, Italy. You go like, to the mall and then you catch a yeah. matinee screening of Cannibal Fury. That's what yeah. they would do. People would do back then because theaters were not controlled by corporations like they are now. But it is uh, you've you, you've said that uh, mm-hmm. Cannibal Holocaust has a more depressing kind of uh, tone. Yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. This film has a bit more. Here you have at least Gloria you can cheer for because she's virtuous. She's nobly throughout. good. Yes, yeah. she she has a noble and even Rudy to a large extent. Yes, although he gets eaten by. He's piranhas. kind of a dick, but yeah. So I don't know. It's it's cannibal films, and it almost it almost is like halfway through the film, you're like. Oh, white man is the devil. It, it is a white uh, a hoax about this cannibalism, mm-hmm. and then the and film then, undercuts no. its own. Yeah, well, that, that, and that's and that's the thing about uh, Umberto Lenzi is that he's going for the shock. Like, yeah. you, I don't think I've ever shown any, either of you guys any Umberto Lenzi films, but we should watch Nightmare City because that, that movie's just awesome. Oh, um, I wonder if that'll be coming up on a future and, uh, episode. And Umberto Lenzi is also like he. Um, it, it's it's an interesting genre. Um, as as you very I, brief. Too. I don't think it could be done nowadays except in the kind of Hannibal Lecter mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, because, but that's so fantastical that you don't feel it's real because like, of all the terrible racism yeah the, the racism alone I mean Eli Roth kind of did it I was actually uh, I was thinking I don't know for all you gamers out there um, Resident Evil 5 I don't know if anybody saw oh, that. that's the, is that the African one that's the one where it takes place in Africa yeah, I and have unfortunately that. Um, the the producers of the game weren't thinking yeah but they do have a a bunch of grass skirt wearing zombie Africans eating people, which is the optics of it are terrible. Anyway, so mm. for all you gamer fans, that that was a misstep. They actually had to go back and yeah, um, I heard about that too. They went like back. That joke was <laughs> they they went back and 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 lightened up some skin tones. They lightened up some skin tones. They added an African character as one of the main characters to make it less racist. Mm. But I mean, that was that's yeah. kind of a throwback to these uh these uh, cannibal films mm. that you're talking about. So, guys, final thoughts on Cannibal Ferox, other than great soundtrack, because the soundtrack is great. Great soundtrack, a couple unintentionally uh, hilarious campy moments, otherwise a really gross movie. Very gross. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Phil for the most part. Um, having watched Green Inferno, I can understand where he gets most of his inspiration from, Eli mm-hmm. Roth. Uh, because it's very similar. I even think he uses some of the uh, the soundtrack. To be honest with you, but I, I there, there's definitely homages to the soundtrack, but also the fact that like I um, in the movie nights that I host, I do do a pre-show and I do use a lot of the Cannibal Ferox soundtrack in it. And also, I should note that the the New York City theme from Cannibal Ferox is actually my ringtone on my phone. So I don't know. Do watch this film if you're you're like that kind of I I, well, kind of masochist. Yeah. Or don't watch it. Or don't watch it. But it's it's such an odd thing, though, because like you, if someone walks in halfway through, you can't really explain it away. Like, oh, I'm just watching it for blah blah blah. It's like it's very. There was also a very happy barbecue going on next door while we were watching this. Yeah, film. We, we could smell it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, do we even recommend films on this podcast? I think we just well, we haven't before. No. We have. We have. Have we? Yes, yeah. we have. 
Because you're like, do you recommend this film? Like, it was, you were, was it what tough we were watching. Oh, you guys love Tough Turf. That's, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I think there, I, I think it turf. was, it was Gone with the Pope where you were like, I recommend this movie to nobody. I think that's what you said, Kit. Yeah, like hard to recommend that one. Gone with the Pope? You liked I, Gone with the Pope, though. I did in a way. But, but, but you said that you wouldn't recommend it to anybody. I can't think of anybody you who, would, it, appreciate who, who it. would appreciate it. Well, I think everybody would appreciate it to some respect. And People who listen to this podcast there will probably get at least a modicum of enjoyment out I mean, of the movie Gone with the Pope. Personally, I would love to think that there is a fan base for this podcast that are like watching the films along with us. That would be fantastic. By the way, we love you for listening. <laughs> we do. If you're sitting through like all of our crap and oh no, the recorder stopped recording. Um, that, that's, <laughs> Great impression. <laughs> yeah, impression that Souls of Mischief uh, saw, uh, reference was made twice in the last 93 to Infinity. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. good, yeah. Mm-hmm. People it was that were, good a joke, yeah. People were waiting for it. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> let's wrap up this episode. I really have to go to the washroom. So do I. Um, so, what's well, my... Go for it first. Video but... store. Um, not going to edit any of that out. So It's just a corner of the video store that we go into, but it's a far corner from where we're With a working toilet and all that stuff. You Anyways. can use the janitor's closet if you... Uh, these jokes are just going right into the ground. Yeah, um, into the toilet, you should say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and on that note, um, let's see what the ghosts have. Oh, the ghosts are back, by the way. Oh dear, we haven't done this want? in a while. Do we have to get out the. Uh, it's uh, you the, call the, it? the the the, vi- no, the, the VG VG <laughs> for the love of God, because Parker Brothers owns that. The VG board. So let's spell it out with us. Okay, spell it out with me, guys. Quotation mark. B B B. Okay, bad lieutenant. E. Bet. Oh, I don't. S. Best of the best part two. You got it. Woo! The we the VG board is going nuts right now. The thing is flying around. It's hitting yes, 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 yes repeatedly. The ghosts are very happy with you, Kit. So uh, we'll be back next week with uh, Best of the Best Part 2, starring Eric Roberts and... I don't know who that is. Julia Roberts' older brother. Ah. He was also the guy that... um, uh, What's his face? Was that... uh, Wouldn't that be... That Mickey Rourke said was the best actor of his generation. No, but uh, uh, he's in the Pope of Greenwich. Ju- Julia yeah. Roberts has a niece who's also famous. Yes, it's Eric. That's that, yeah. Emma Roberts is Emma Roberts', Emma Roberts is Eric father. Roberts okay. Yes, yes. He uh, he starred in Pope of Greenwich Village. He was in Runaway the, Train with John Voight. Yes, he was in the first uh, Expendables movie, and he was also a voice in the David Dakota film. Two David Dakota films. He was the voice of a talking cat, and uh, DB Cooper meets Bigfoot. He also had a very memorable cameo in The Cable Guy. The Cable Guy is a terrible movie, but it has that fantastic subplot. It's uh, not that bad. It has a fantastic subplot with like the Sam Sweet trial. So like, there's yeah. like the mock uh, Fox TV movie with, with Ben Stiller. But so it's like Eric Roberts as Sam and Sten Sweet and brother Sweet brother. Parental discretion <laughs> advised. Right. <laughs> so, anyways, it stars Eric Roberts and Chris Penn and Wayne Newton. Chris Penn. Yeah, Chris Penn. Wayne Newton's in Wayne this Newton. Wow. Um, and it is a sequel to a true story. The sequel is not true. <laughs> and the movie is not a movie. I'm just kidding. It's a movie. Um, and for, on that note, I'm Graham. That's Kit running away to the bathroom. <laughs> it's okay. Run, run, run. <laughs> and I'm Phil. Uh, please rewind.
Oh God, no. we got the math wrong. No. It's not best of the best next week. Like, it's well, like, what you, like I thought you were like that's episode. 11. Sorry, I, I thought like Vanny can't uh, flaked out. And that's no, why no, 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 best no. Best. best of the best part two is episode eleven. Next month, next week is episode ten. Get even with special vet, special vest, special guest. <laughs> it's like poor Manto, Vanny, and and guest guest. Special guest Vanessa Young will be with us for Get Even, the uh, the film directed by the uh, by John D. Hart Esquire, directed by, written by, starring, scored, produced, sung, and sung by the amazing John D. Hart Esquire, attorney at law. We'll see you next time.